Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore. Conservative One with George Christensen. Well, g'day. I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedom. And I'm joined uh, this podcast episode uh, with a very special guest. Uh, he was the former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, the member for New England, the one and only Barnaby Joyce. It's uh, great to have you on my uh, humble podcast, Barnaby. Well, mate, welcome to Danglemar, Studio Danglemar. It's great to be with you, George. <laughs> I'll just let people know Mackay. You know, Mackay was named after the Mackay brothers who came from the Rocky Creek Goldfields at Urala, okay? So even down here, our fingers go out. Yeah, yeah, New England, it's everywhere. <laughs> Mate, um, it's uh, good to see you in this sort of uh, virtual setting, which we seem to be doing uh, a hell of a lot now. Let me kick off with that because yeah. um, this, uh, this pandemic has shaken up quite a few things, uh, including the way we communicate, the way Parliament's going, mm -hmm. uh, all the rest of it. Uh, tell us what your – let's just uh, wax philosophical on what you think the coronavirus has done to society and where it's going to take us. It's become a bulwark for the left and a lot of issues. Uh, they've always wanted the, the state as premier over the individual, and I think a lot of people get that. Um, the mm. state is there for the individual. The state isn't there to rule over the individual, and that's what we're having more and more how we act, right. how we conduct ourselves, where you can go out at night. It's all about, um, you know, the state. And I, I'm against that. I, I believe in the primacy of the individual's rights. And you're seeing that in property rights. They talk about koalas. It's actually about diminishing an individual's property rights. They talk about coronavirus. And then you hear Dan Andrews and Anastasia Palaszczuk and the rest of them out there spruiking how it's morally right for them to have control of your life. I, I don't like that. I believe in my own logic and the epidemiolo epidemiological reality and knowledge mm -hmm. of how we control a virus. I'm not denying the virus for one second. I'm denying the right of the state to run me. Yeah, yeah, and certainly that's what's going down in Victoria a lot now. I fear uh, actually seeing the scenes out of Victoria day after day that... Um, Indeed, the government, uh, including, sadly, the police force, and I never thought I would see that in my own country, uh, but the police force taking a view that the uh, the public are there to ab abide by the rules and to do what they're told. Uh, the reality in democracies like Australia, uh, Western democracies, it's government that's there to do what the people want, not the other way around. Uh, so it's dangerous times. Yeah. But you mentioned the koala issue uh, Let's jump over to that. Uh, that's a recent issue that's happened down in New South Wales. So not a lot of people will understand the issue at the heart of this. Just sure. explain what was being proposed within New South Wales vis-a-vis -vis koala protection. Okay, the first thing you've got to know is the lefts don't just exist in the Labor Party or the Greens. They exist in the Liberal Party and possibly in the National Party as well. Let's be frank about it. 
The next thing you have to know is that uh, the left's ultimate goal is the primacy of the state over the individual and the socialization of private assets. That means you don't own assets, the state owns them, you have a license to use them, sort of quasi license, and that makes you terribly insecure because you know the ultimate fundamental of a, of a conservative uh, market-based system is the primacy of private ownership because then you can say, well, you can stay away from me because I have assets, I can sell them, I am secure. How I make you insecure is I say, well, you don't actually own them. I kind of, I'm the state, I kind of own them. And I own them by reason of caveat, which either by, uh, a, a, by fact or by effect has divested you, the individual of those assets, and vested them in the state by which you can only get use of them with their say-so. So therefore the state reigns supreme. Now they always come up with a, a moral fluffy bulwark and this mm. time it's koalas. So koalas are the reason we're, why we've gone from 10 trees, which we have to assess, to 123. Most of these koalas don't eat. They include camphor laurels, which are actually a pest. They include, um, in layman's terms, uh, pine trees, uh, cypress, she-oaks, which koalas don't eat. They include trees that koalas might run up. Well, I might run up a tree, but it doesn't mean I, that's part of my habitat. I mean, I've climbed, I've climbed a gum tree. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a koala. I, I don't so, reside so, in gum trees, and I don't believe that gum trees should be, protect, be protected to protect me. Um, but this is let me you know, get, let me get this right. So, so what you're seeing now is the left say koalas, and yeah. the right say property rights, and don't get sucked in. We're on the right side. We're on the side of the good people, mm. and the good people are going to protect the individual in a in a democracy in your freedom in protecting your property rights. Now, uh, let me get this right. So that there previously were was the situation that um, if you wanted to uh, knock down species of trees, there were 10 particular species that uh, you probably had to go through a lot of rigmarole. Perhaps you couldn't even cut them down yep. or you were cutting, cutting them down only with the approval of uh, some bureaucrat, probably with a mound of paperwork that you had to go through yep. and various consultancy reports and now they've taken it to a hundred over a hundred is that what's happening 123 123 george and you can yeah. see it you can see it up in your neck of the woods with the so-called great barrier reef uh you know agricultural protections even though uh we see tonight in a report and i read it in the australian only three percent three percent of uh the great barrier reef is having to deal with issues uh pertinent in any way shape or form to agricultural runoff so the other 90%, 7% are free, but you're going to have completely change your method of operation in the cane growing regions of Australia by reason of emotion. And this down here, it's koalas. It's up there, it's mm. Great Barrier Reef. Down here, koalas. I mean, but further south, I imagine it's some possum, you know, some some marsupial that they'll use as a mechanism to close people down, to shut industry down, to divest you of your property rights. And um, what this means is not only if the tree's there, um, guys and ladies if the tree's there even if there's not a koala in it but potentially potentially there could be a koala in it you're in the trap and this is garbage five kilometers five kilometers from it and this means if you saw one you know 15 years ago bang you're in and, and this is not about logic it's about socialism and we have to call it as that and there has to be this resonance amongst people to say no i've had enough of this you know you could say it's to help 
is to help babies stop burping. But that doesn't mean you have a right to divest me of my property. You know, it's it's yeah. it, it, you have if you want my property, if you want the most fundamental protection of my freedom, that is my right of private ownership, then you got to pay me for it. You can't mm. just take it off me. So this has been happening for quite a while. I mean, we had the situation where uh, under the Kyoto Protocol, the forerunner to the Paris Agreement, which we shouldn't be in, but anyway, that's another story. But the forerunner to the Paris Agreement, Kyoto Protocol, had certain measures and uh, Australia met those measures principally on the back of trees that were being locked up, uh, native vegetation uh, legislation, uh, particularly in Queensland, but also in New South Wales, uh, where... Those same people you're talking about, the property owners, the farmers, were basically stripped of the right to actually make their agricultural properties as productive as they could be by virtue of the fact that they had to basically maintain what amounted to a national park on their land. So when you have a situation like that where, uh, and it's very sad that actually it can be done, it's very sad it can be done, but when you have a situation where a government says there is a common good here in us stopping you from doing something with your own property that you otherwise would have been able to do, uh, surely there should be compensation. So I know a lot of people that have said, the problem is our constitution only has just terms compensation when it is the federal government that actually steps in and restricts property rights or takes your property. Uh, Should it be extended to state governments and would that be a panacea to this problem? Well, you're correct there, George. Um, and it's sort of the erudite way you do this, and I'm not peeing in your pocket, but you are you're pretty good at this sort of stuff. But Section 51 of the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, allows fair and just terms. So if the That's Commonwealth right. takes an asset off you, they have to pay for it. So what the sneaky so-and-sos do is they get the state to take it off you, which doesn't have to pay just in fair terms. In fact, state uh, constitution can be affected just merely by legislation. So what the federal government did with the Kyoto Protocols to meet them is they moved for the states, the states to move all these vegetation management laws. And, you know, so we couldn't, we had to stop clearing our land. We had to stop managing vegetation so that they could meet their signed off requirements on an international agreement, which we knew nothing about, with our asset. So they paid for their promise with our asset and there was no money that came back to us. Now, you might say, I'm not for the land. Why does this worry me? Because it infringes on the whole principle of what we believe a uh, private uh, private property is, and that underpins your house, even if it's a Maroubra, even in some Mackay, even if it's um, Mundabra, it's your asset. You don't let governments do this sort of stuff. Well, that's and right. So, let's, um, let's, let's, can so I just jump just, in just, and say... Just, one thing. Go, if go you ahead. think it's go a ahead. myth, if you think what I'm making up is some sort of um, plot, uh, some sort of, you know, uh, whatever, you know, conspiracy theory, then I'll direct you to one of the interviews by the then Treasurer Peter Costello on the 730 report where he claimed responsibility for being able to do this, being able to move the state. So he thought he was oh so clever. Oh, oh clever Peter Costello. Oh, clever Peter Costello, who was a liberal, who I thought would believe in it. He was actually party to the divestment of individuals of their asset without payment. I think that's a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to take the, an urban analogy, we could say that, uh, uh, you know, um, the loss of native habitat may be a, a, a grave social ill, but so is homelessness. And um, 
let's say that there's uh, a lot of people that might have spare bedrooms in their uh, in their houses. Uh, the government passing a law that says that if you have a spare bedroom, uh, that it needs to go to a homeless person. I mean, uh, that's that's a pretty close analogy to what's happened. I mean, Life's you know, uh, and it is unbelievable that we actually have this in our country. Uh, and a lot of this stuff emanates from, from what I found out over the past 10 years that I've been involved in federal politics, there is so much that emanates out of treaties that we've signed up to, these international United Nations conferences where uh, uh, we don't go to them. The likes of you and I don't uh, turn up, even when you were Deputy Prime Minister. I'm assuming that you uh, never never turned up to New York or Geneva and made a contribution uh, there, that it was, it was someone else from the... Uh, inner bowels of the government, uh, as Donald Trump would probably say, the deep state, uh, that's turned up there and yeah. uh, basically agreed to something. Uh, the government signed off on it, uh, and suddenly laws are then being proposed to the government to actually meet those treaties that we've signed up to, laws that end up affecting farmers by stripping them of their property rights. Uh, I wonder whether there needs to be a better way about... Uh, uh, our signing up to these treaties and uh, uh, more of a more of a look on that. I'm wondering what you think. How could we get more transparency about our interactions as a sovereign nation with these uh, supranational bodies and how they go about devising uh, treaties and standards and all the rest of it that end up impacting on the average Aussie? Well, one thing we, we you've got to understand, start from the start, is the Commonwealth has capacity to make everybody abide by international treaties that they sign. But let's go a step back. Politicians get voted in and out, but bureaucrats generally remain the same. So the culture and the ethos and the politics of the bureaucracy is a, is a constant, regardless of who's in power. Now, the way it works is a bureaucrat, your senior bureaucrat, comes up to the minister. So George has just been elected as minister. And they go, oh, hail minister, oh, wise minister, oh, great minister, oh, lovely white car and new salary minister, you are so clever. We've been watching you for so long. You deserve this job. George, you are a brilliant man. Uh, we have some briefs here for you. Um, you might want to have a look through them. We've been through them. We've checked them very closely. They're very good. I think this will go very well on a 7.30 report. Uh, very well. I mean, we, we really workshopped these briefs. Okay, now, if you're on your game, you go, leave it with me, Cyclone, I'll get back to you. And you have yourself and good party members, good philosophically correct members in your office, which go through this with a fine-tooth comb and go, hey, mate, no way, George, don't sign this. Don't sign this garbage. Look what this means. Look what this means. Because you can no one's endowed with the, with the capacity to go through it all themselves. So you need good staffers. Good staff is incredibly important. I know George was a good staffer in his past. So was Matt Canavan, one of the greatest politicians we've got. Uh, good staffer in his time. And they go, no, you don't sign this rubbish. And then you rely on the ticker of the minister to go back to the bureaucrats and say, hey, mate, I'm not signing up this BS. No way. No way. I'm not doing this. And um, that sort of can possibly pull it up. You rely on the minister to have the ticker if they don't agree. And I had to do this. You, you got to get rid of one of your, your, your. I could get rid of the secretary of my department. Huge falling out. He was a lefty. I was a righty. Bang, didn't work. But you, you know, you really got to want to have have the blue. And um, and that's where a lot of this star stuff starts. Uh, the material begins from. And we've 
we've got to make sure that we've got the right people. The other thing we do, George, and you know this, is we select people for political office right at the ground level and they're not hard nuts. Let's be frank about it. They're not the sort of people who are going to want to have the fight. You know, they want a soft life. They want an easy life. They don't want the drama. They don't want the drama. And if you went underneath them and said, what is your philosophical core? Why are you in this job? They wouldn't be able to answer. If you handed the machine paper, right on the back of this piece of paper, what your core beliefs are and what you're going to fight for, they'll say, I believe in good government. Well, who believes in bad government? I believe in families. Well, who doesn't believe in families? I believe in looking after the oppressed. Well, what do you believe in exploiting them? But away from that, just away from motherhood statements, you wouldn't actually believe, find out what they believed in. And that's one of our problems. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you a, a great philosophical question now. What does Barnaby Joyce believe? Oh, well, I've got a whole range of things. I believe that the uh, number one, you just touched on one, property rights. I, I have been, uh, I, I believe in the right of the individual. Abovo, and that gets me offside with a lot of people. I believe the individual has a right um, from the start to beginning, uh, the beginning to the end. Uh, they can't be interposed in by the state or other individuals who believe they have a greater right than that person. Um, I believe the, the the right, the free expression of religion in all its forms, that you have the capacity to uh, go forward and express your religion, and people say, oh, I believe in that too. Well, you don't show it by policy, fellas. I had one instance where I couldn't even go and worship at my local church because COVID restrictions said I couldn't. Well, why couldn't I just stand out in the park? Why couldn't I sit in a, in a seat out in the, out the front of the church? Why why'd they stop me from doing that? I believe in the I believe genuinely in the in the in the right of private enterprise and private enterprise expressed by success in the ownership of private assets, uh, not interfered with by the state by by whatever righteous caveat they decide. I believe in fiscal, in basically fiscal responsibility. And we've got ourselves into a, heading towards a trillion dollars in debt, which means I'm a servant of another person in another country because it's all overseas money. I believe that we shouldn't have done that. And I fought against that right from the start. I've never voted for a stimulus package in my time in politics um, because I think they're rubbish. Um, you know, I believe that the future of our nation resides in our capacity for the extension and development of our capital base. And that's why things such as uh, the Bradford scheme, not going to lay care, but for the development of Western Queensland is so vitally important and water that they don't require in Western Queensland should flow into further rivers down south. They can sell it to them. You know, I believe that we have to have the vision to understand that China is an emerging superpower and the United States, as much as I wish it wasn't, uh, seems to be waning. So we have got to be resilient in our own right. And we've got to be, as uh, Lee Kuan Yew said, the bad prawn, that if someone wants to swallow us, they're going to get a pain in the guts that will kill them. And we've got to do that. I believe we should move towards nuclear power. I should believe in our capacity to have coal-fired power because we should have common sense. I don't believe in our in, in this sort of hand-over-fist signing to international agreements which divest the Australian people of their proper, uh, pr their proper right as a citizen to have guide and context and oversight of the laws of our nation. Uh, George, I, I came into this game with a, a strong sense of beliefs. So I maintain them to this day. Um, and, you know, I've I got my faults and failings. I know that. Kicking around the room, I've got them. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just I want the Australian people to be free. I want them to be strong. And I want my boys and my girls and my girls and my boys 
to grow up in a nation that was better than the one that was handed to us. And if we can't do that, we're not up to much. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said, um, mate. Uh, while you were deputy prime minister, and previous to that, you were a member of the cabinet. Uh, did you find that you were in any way restricted from enact, enacting or acting upon those beliefs? Uh, did it become yeah. a handbrake on you or were you able Absolutely. to uh, manoeuvre through the system to be able to do what you wanted to do? I was sworn at. I was, I was cursed. I was belittled. Uh, it, was, it was a very pugilistic existence many of the times. At the start, I had Malcolm's bluff, and uh, and he was always scared that I had the uh, bomb strapped on and I was going to pull the pin, and I, 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 I let it work like that. And that actually, a funny way, it helped our relationship. But then he worked his magic art and he got other people along. You know, Malcolm was, to be honest, he's from the left, but, you know, forget about a lot of the rhetoric you hear from some of the senior politicians now. Oh, mate, I know them. BS. I've seen them. I've seen them in other forms. Uh, they, they don't have a philosophical base. Some of them do but a lot of them don't. A lot of them are there uh, for themselves and for their own vision of their own sort of, you know, you know, grand statement of being whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, there were times, I think one of the best ones with Trusty, Warren Trust was a good fellow. Trusty and I stopped Malcolm from going to government house because we said he wasn't the prime minister, so he agreed with us and we made some big changes there. That was good. And, um, oh, well, this is, this is sort of ego blazing, but, uh, inland Rail, $10 billion. Uh, I said that there was a no-go in the coalition unless that happened. Uh, Regional Investment Corporation, a state-owned bank, God knows the Libs hated that idea, said no-go, no coalition unless that happened. Um, divert, uh, moving decentralisation, such as APVMA, AFMA, uh, these things, I said no-go unless that happens. Uh, first tranche of, you know, substantial tranche of the construction of dams, no-go unless that happens. Put water in with agriculture, no-go unless that happens. I was just trying to work out how to 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 build the infrastructure that makes our nation stronger and 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 basically keep the lefties away from the prime uh, money making uh, capacity of our nation because I knew if our nation doesn't make money, then um, we're going to be poor people. We are going to be the beggars of the South Pacific. We can't have that. Mm. Well, I'll talk to you more about that, and I'll probably talk to you about a few uh, other issues, including the rise of China. But this is where the free section of the podcast ends. And if you want to listen to more of Barnaby Joyce's views on a range of topics uh, uh, from China through to the media, uh, which I'm going to talk to him about, sign up to The Good Source. Uh, it's goodsource.news uh, backslash uh, support. Uh, become a supporter and you can see this uh, behind the scenes content and extra content that we do so thank you very much uh, all of those who are listening into the free section of the podcast and i hope you've enjoyed we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness you've been listening to the conservative one podcast with george christensen